Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the Patreon edition. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to talk about family. family. Yes, we are just going to dive into this letter because I'm sure it will give us plenty of juicy pickles to talk about. So take it away, <laughs> Sam Blackwell. <laughs> Absolutely. The best kind of pickles, the juiciest ones. All right, <sighs> so this... A uh, letter comes from Rainbow Sheep, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from the Deep South. Hi, Sierra and Sam. Like everyone else, I am so grateful for the work that you do. You have been such a light in my life, particularly throughout my last four years of college. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you've talked about family, parents, in-laws on the show quite a bit recently, but I have a situation question that is quite nuanced, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I am a recent college grad, she, her, who identifies as a lesbian. While I came out to my parents and one uncle who is bisexual, by the way, during this past year, I am not out to any other members of my family, something I find increasingly more difficult as time goes on. While my dad and his brother are very supportive of me coming out, my mother has a very difficult time with it. She has even said some pretty damaging words to me that I wouldn't even like to repeat, and I have been processing it in therapy. I attribute my mom's attitude toward queerness to her extremely conservative upbringing, which I know is not an excuse, just an explanation. My mom's whole side of the family is deeply right-leaning and upholds their politics with their religious beliefs. For context, I am also a deeply religious person and my Christian faith is central to my identity. However, my religious beliefs motivate me toward progressive politics. While I've always known this about my family and grew up understanding that I generally felt different from my mom's relatives, my cousin's recent engagement has flared up some resentment within me. My cousin, she, her, recently got engaged to a man, he, him, let's call him Chad. Chad is the perfect Southern boy. My family literally swoons over him. He is charming, well-mannered, and blends in extremely well with my family. However, the thing that bothers me the most about Chad is that he is is his outspoken, offensive political beliefs. When my cousin started dating Chad, I looked him up on social media and found that he is vocally pro-Trump and pro-gun. I find some of his posts absolutely unacceptable, like one that depicted black politicians as dogs and another that joyfully celebrated when it was announced that an NFL co- NFL quarterback would not face a trial for the dozens of allegations of sexual misconduct against him. Based on these posts, I would conclude that Chad is, at least culturally, racist and misogynistic. But what absolutely blows my mind is that despite all of this, my family acts as though he is the second coming of Christ. When he and my cousin got engaged, my mother posted a long, gushing paragraph on social media about how she is so excited for this couple and so glad my cousin found the perfect man for her. 
This especially hurts with the context of my mother not being accepted of my queer identity. When I was talking once to my dad about how I was struggling with with my relationship with my mom, he told me that my mom was having a difficult time letting go of the future she envisioned for me. He even said that she dreamed I would find a man just like Chad and raise a family with him. The idea of marrying someone like Chad is absolutely repulsive to me. I have been struggling with this a lot recently, especially since I have been going through a breakup. My partner, ex-partner, they, them, let's call them Taylor, and I recently broke up because I will be moving to a different state soon for grad school, and they will be staying in the area where we attended college, about a six-hour drive apart. While that distance is not terrible, we both decided that long distance was not the best decision for us while we were both engaging in new chapters of our lives. This breakup was so difficult because we both still love each other deeply. I'm still unsure when I won't feel as though I'm actively in love with Taylor. Taylor was my first true-to-self queer relationship, and they were the best partner I could have asked for. Taylor is smart, funny, and gorgeous. We share similar values and interests, but we're different enough to be vastly intrigued by one another. I will always have love in my heart for Taylor, but I do think that this was the right decision for both of us. What rubs salt in the wound is the fact that Taylor and I never even got to meet my family. Realistically, they would have met my parents since I am only out to them. However, I decided it wasn't the best for them to meet since my mom was still vocally unaccepting of my queerness. This was a decision I made with my dad since my family had the opportunity to meet Taylor during my college graduation. He told me that my mom wasn't ready for that. I find it hard to stomach the fact that my mom wasn't ready to meet someone so wonderful like Taylor, but fangirls over Chad anytime that he is brought into the conversation. As I move into adulthood, I've been having conversations with my therapist about the fact that I can determine the conditions of my relationships with my family and that I can decide how visibly queer I want to be in the world. That being said, I don't feel completely ready to come out to my mom's family and face the rejection that will most definitely follow. I have thought about even waiting for my grandparents to die before I come out. They are quite old, and it may happen within five or ten years. But then that would leave me with the other, younger, just as conservative relatives to deal with. I find it increasingly hard to conceal my true self from my family, but I also feel so unsafe revealing myself to them, knowing that they are the kind of people who idealize people like Chad. I know you have talked in the podcast before about how it is totally okay to not have a relationship with your family, but for me, it's more about the grief that comes with realizing my family holds exclusionary beliefs that ultimately exclude me, their own daughter, granddaughter, niece, cousin. So I guess my questions are these. How do I deal with my resentment towards Chad and the rest of my family for having exclusionary hateful beliefs? How do I attend my cousin's wedding without having a full breakdown? How do I continue into adulthood and navigate these relationships while trying to be my true, authentic self? Thank you for taking the time to read this. I am sending so much love to the both of you and Spencer, too. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for writing, for trusting us with this letter, and for subscribing on Patreon. This is a juicy pickle, but, like, not the delicious kind, you know? No. Mm -mm. It's like, honestly, do you like pickles? Sam? I do. I love pickles. Yeah. I fucking love pickles too. But do you ever get a pickle and you're like, oh my God, this looks so good. But then it's like kind of bland. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. like, I don't know, toxic and harmful and heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have had many yeah. a heartbreaking pickle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Episode title. <laughs> um, that is, yeah. I mean, this is just one. I'm sorry. I'll start with that. Like, I'm sorry that you're carrying this in your heart. Like, 
I don't know. I maybe because I had a baby and because life is impossibly um short and I'm thinking about all of those life things. Um I've been thinking a lot about the time we have here and how it's limited and it's unfortunate that so much of our time is like sort of non-consensually forced to be to be dealing with these types of heartbreaks, you know. I mm. I it's it's unfortunate that you're carrying this. There are so many other things to carry in the world and um it sucks that you have to carry this too. Um mm. and I when I go to bed tonight I'll be thinking about this and I'll be I'll be hoping that this gets resolved whether in your heart or in your family at some time in the near future so that you can feel more free because isn't that what we all want? Um, again, I'm starting this letter out or this response out like hella vague and hella hippie, but maybe that's just like where my feelings are this morning. <laughs> it is my daughter's first day at daycare. So I'm feeling especially sentimental and fragile. <laughs> yeah. Sierra dropped her off and then immediately was like, Oh, it's time to pick her up. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, honestly, all week I was looking forward to it so I could get back to work, working and feeling more like myself. And the second I got home to an empty house, I was like, I'm lost. What am I doing? <laughs> Motherhood is but, fucking wild, y'all. <laughs> anyway. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, so that's the, those are my opening thoughts. It's just like, it sucks that you have to carry it. If there's a small silver, silver lining, and I don't mean to force this lining on you, so take it as you see fit. Uh, this is not a, an experience unique to you. This is, this is an experience shared across the world, unfortunately, sort of trying to balance or levy both your authenticity and the, the acceptance of that authenticity by those around you that you love. Um, that's unfortunately a common experience in the queer community and, mm. and communities beyond. So if there's, so you're not alone. Um, and you, as Sam always says, you're not uniquely fucked up by this grief or this heartbreak. For sure. Yeah. I think, I think that uh, piece that you said about how it's about grieving for um, your family and your connections to your family, that's really, and that's really real. Um, and that's a real grief. Like, I know it doesn't feel like it, or it may not feel like yeah. it because it's like, well, nobody died. You know what I mean? But I think that this is a thing that a lot of queer folks experience when they realize that their their family, their family of origin isn't going to understand them in the way that they, that they want to be understood. Yeah. And that can look like, um, you know, really intense. Like that could look like totally cut off or, um, being kicked out of the house. It can also look like, um, just realizing that like your, your family's vision of what they wanted for you isn't going to be the vision that you have. And right. you're not going to be able to reconcile those things. Um, or you may feel like disconnected from your family because they're, they don't understand your world and what you're experiencing because they haven't lived it. Um, right. and so like, you sort of talk about like, how do I not hold on to resentment about this? And I just want to say like, I think you are right. Like in a, in a way that I don't want to be sort of uh, nihilistic about it, but this grief is really intense. Um, and your mom, for whatever reason is treating you really poorly. Um, 
And and it's hard to not hold on to resentment about those types of things. And honestly, I don't know that not holding on to resentment is even the goal in this moment, right? Like, I think that the goal right now is to figure out how you can sit in this grief and process it in a way that feels like it's healthy and, and constructive for you and not necessarily like, how are you going to maintain or caretake for the relationships from the people who are causing you harm, right? So yeah. as you're thinking about what you want to do next or what you're sort of what I see your job as being is not to figure out how you can be nice to everyone and go to this wedding and and keep the peace with everyone. But instead, like, what are you doing to take care of yourself in the situation that you're going through, which is that your family has deeply disappointed you um, and is going to continue to disappoint you unless something about their political and spiritual beliefs changes significantly. Um, and that that's just really challenging and difficult and um, and hard to, to fathom. So uh, I appreciate that you're trying to do this idea of like, how can I sort of maintain these relationships with these folks? And I am less concerned with that than I am about like the, how are you taking care of yourself and moving into your new understanding of the world that your family isn't in this moment going to be the people who you thought they were going to be in sort of taking care of you throughout your life. Yes, absolutely. And I was just sitting here thinking like, it's funny, I felt like an inner resistance while you were talking about like, you know, the priority here isn't these relationships. And in my mind, in my heart, really, I was like, man, though, it's it's so hard with families. You know, it's it's so hard to cut those ties, those emotional cords, the sensation, the desire, the obligation that we feel, et cetera. Um, and then you said the magical thing about like, it's, it's about what you're doing to take care of yourself. So I want to like bring that anxiety into this conversation and say like, yes, it's so real to like recreate these family dynamics or like, you know, redraw the family boundaries, the, the obligation that we feel to like tend to those relationships. And also it doesn't have to be that you don't care about what they think. It doesn't have to be that you don't cater to them or or whatever we're talking about. It's that you have to do that for yourself first. So if you think about, mm-hmm. if you picture it visually, like what are the steps you're taking to take care of yourself first and then tend to these people and their somewhat unreasonable, super harmful beliefs and needs. Do you know what I mean? So whether that's like, okay, so you have to go to this wedding or you got to go spend some time with your mother in which you know that she's going to deny your identity, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not how do I introduce queerness to a to my family or my mother in a way in which appeals to them. It could, you know, I'm too much of a people pleaser and I think I have too much Uh, maybe like I put too much weight on empathy that Mm. I wouldn't, you know, like when I came out to my dad, I was constantly thinking, how am I going to deliver him this truth that I'm like wildly happy. And this is my authentic self, whether he knew about it or not in a way that he was going to receive it. Like I was, I was trying to like make it palatable to him, which is both. (laughs) It's frustrating because I'm sorry. I'm like working this out as I say it. That's both like, 
um, helpful and violent against myself. You know what I mean? Sure. Instead of just like being like this, bro, this is who I am, you know? Uh, yep. But it also like, I know it got the message across, you know, like I know that my wife and him have a great relationship now, partly due to that anxious labor. Anyway, does that all make sense? Um, yeah, Absolutely. But um, putting the step in there first about like not denying yourself, taking care of yourself, like how, like going back in time to, to younger Sierra, how was Sierra taking care of herself in, in, in real tangible ways before she went and made her identity more palatable to her father, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like, that's the important piece because when we have practiced the self-care, self-awareness, self-affirmation to be able to make intentional decisions about how we want to show up with people. That's really different than us minimizing ourselves and our own experiences to make other people like us, right? Because we're trying to somehow convince ourselves that if we can make ourselves palatable enough, we'll get the love from the people who are not going to love us for our full our right. full selves, regardless of how yeah. how palatable we make ourselves, yes, right, which is super different than saying like, okay, well, how can I talk to this person in a way that they're going to understand and not get super defensive about? Like, great, that's a good thing to be thinking and having conversations about. But if you're not doing that intentionally with the full knowledge of like, I and I still have nothing to hide. I'm trying to meet this person where they're at. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to make myself any more palatable. Yes, yes, um, It's like it. really different. And so mm-hmm. my my fear for you, Rainbow Sheep, is just that um, I don't want you to be making yourself palatable to these people. I do want you to be thinking about like, which of these relationships do you want to maintain and how are you going to maintain them for yourself? But I don't want you to feel like you have to diminish or, or change any part of yourself to be loved by your mom or your mom's family. Um even though that's what your mom is telling you right now in this moment, right? Your mom is telling you like she would prefer it if you would just meet a Chad instead of being who you are, um, which is just, again, such a such a really difficult and challenging thing to hear from a parent um, who's yeah. supposed to love you for who you are and not yeah. just because you somehow fit Who'd, an understanding right. of like what, what they want your or their life to be. Right, exactly. I was thinking too, um, in, in terms of like the future way that you talk to yourself, I loved your sentence about a world in which you get to decide about how visibly queer you are. Like, isn't that so beautiful to think about? Like, not just, not just being out and proud, but in terms of like, you get to decide how you navigate, you get to decide what parts you, you consensually disclose to people or not, um, And I wanted to just say the affirmation of your queerness is not lessened by it being hidden by you because of these circumstances. It's Mm -hmm. painful. It's we know that it's harmful and tiring and unfair and unjustified. And also, like, I don't want you to feel like a bad queer person because you are struggling with this this mitigation, this negotiation of identity and family. Um, So your queerness is not lessened by this. And also 
your queerness is not justified by your family's acceptance and love of it. Meaning you mm. can be whatever you want, whoever you want. Um, and you can, you know, whoever can know or not know about that. And it doesn't make you more or less yourself. It doesn't sound like you're struggling with that, but I just wanted to put that out there that like, I feel like, you know, it's so funny. People come out as queer and sometimes they're like, they struggle with that identity. And then there's like a double struggling of like, am I doing it right? You know, like, am I queer enough <laughs> is a refrain that we hear a lot. Um, and sure. you're, so I just want to say like, however you are becoming yourself and being yourself is the right way. And there's no um, le delegitimizing thing that you're doing. And also it cannot be more justified by the acceptance of people out there. It is justified within yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super real. Um, and so as you're thinking about how to maintain relationships with these family members, um, including like whether or not you're going to go to Chad's wedding, um, I just want to remind you that, that, you know, you talk about in your letter that, um, you know, we've talked to before about how like you don't have to be friends with your family and like that is okay. Um, and I want to remind you of that truth in this, right? You don't have to go to your cousin's wedding if you don't want to. Right. Um, but if you do want to, um, who are the people, right? That's that's what I always think of, of like, who Aww. are the people that you're going to hang out with and who are going to, who you know are going to be nice to you and who is, who are going to make a good time with you or roll their eyes at the things that Chad says or, um, give you that look when your mom says something that's like homophobic and to like, let you know that, that they see you in that. Um, like, do you have those people? Can you bring those people with you? Who are those people? Um, because those are the, those are the people that help get me through those types of situations. <laughs> of yeah. Like, uh, I got, but I've got my two, I've got my cousin over here who I can like look at and give a face to when we need to. Um, and that's, that's really my recommendation. If you're, if you are thinking totally. about going to Chad's wedding around like, how can you make it as fun as possible with the folks that you know that you can have fun with? Yeah. And I also like, we were daydreaming or brainstorming before this, we press record about like, is it possible to go to this wedding and like feel happiness for your cousin, genuine happiness, and also keep yourself like emotionally safe, you know, like, is that possible? Mm. And I don't know, to be honest, like one, I'm not the letter writer. I'm not in their family and I'm not in their body, but, and, I, but I also don't know because as humans, we're just so emotionally complex and, you know, one string, one line of thought is tied to another. Right. And to see this wedding and this joy and this happiness, I don't know if it's too tangled to detangle right now, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, are you able to see this happiness and not feel hurt and resentment over the fact that your mother may not react the same way to this happiness, you know? And also like, maybe that's just like a mental exercise to think of, like, can you feel almost like a cheerful and stupid thing? Like if we haven't, mm -hmm. um, if we haven't gone over that in a minute, do you want to remind folks what that is? And who it's from. Yes. I stole it from some therapist who had had a podcast. This therapist has now <sighs> passed. Um, 
But yeah, it's this idea of cheerful and stupid, which is that when you're going into a situation with people who are not in the arena with you, to borrow a phrase from from uh, Brene Brown. Brown, is to just be cheerful and stupid. So be happy and don't read into the subtext of what people are saying yeah. to you, right? Like you are just a, you're just a, a mirror that just like, it's so smooth. It just like skates off of you. Mm, yeah. um, and so when people say things to you that are snotty or that are weird, you just take them exactly at their word and you don't allow, the, you don't read into it, right? So you're yeah. just cheerful. You're so excited to be there and you're stupid. Oh, are you passive aggressively making fun of me? I'm going to pretend like I'm not hearing and then just take the compliment. Thank you. Right. Don't give into the sort of weirdness that happens when we're around people who are treating us really poorly. And this isn't like a, hey, spend your whole life doing this. This is like a, hey, we've got to go to a wedding where I know I'm going to run into my cousin who I hate. How do I handle it? Just cheerful and stupid. Right. Yes. Decompress beforehand, decompress afterward. But remember that like, you don't owe they can't authenticity. Touch you. That's what that's yeah. what it makes me think of. Yeah. You don't owe authenticity or vulnerability to people who are are not accepting of it or are not going to be in that arena with you show, showing their vulnerability or accept or authenticity either. So um you don't have to be in the arena with everyone. You can choose the people yeah. to do that with. Um yeah. and it's okay to just be cheerful and stupid. Just put on that, just put on that very shiny armor and be like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Great to see you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the cheerful and stupid thing at the wedding, like, can you, can you move through that space and not let any of it touch you? And I don't know. Like, I think, I think you can, but also like we're talking about like a deeply painful wound that's getting poked and prodded by the image of Chad, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to like kind of unpack with Sam in real time is like, how do you, how do you hold space for the hope that people will surprise us or be as emotionally complex and capable of change and compassion as we hope them to be? Like, how do you hold space for that? And also move through a world and a universe and a family that will potentially can routinely reject you. Um, For sure. And why I'm saying that is because like, I, well, also just, just clarifying, I'm speaking from my own experience, which is wildly different than this. Um, And I don't, again, I don't know this family, so I don't know how fucking entrenched in their problematic and harmful beliefs they are. Um, In my experience, that is A, totally different, and B, just uniquely mine, I was, like, very surprised by one person, one family member's um, response to me coming out. This is a religious family member and a family member who has historically been very, like, cold and judgmental and like would be the one at the family reunion to like say something really catty and hurtful and like uh is is a gossip you know like um I definitely was not ready I was ready for them to uh have a problem with this and they were they weren't perfect but they surprised me with their complexity. That's what I want to say is that they surprised me with their complexity, that they could be both um, 
they could hold these these problematic views and also be very loving to me at the same mm-hmm. time. Do Does that make them a safe person to me? That's only for me to decide because I'm in my body and I'm in that relationship. So right. to the letter writer, like, remember, like, you know, these people, you know what the, they are capable of and their boundaries and stuff like that. But I'm just also wondering, like, well, no, I, I don't know. Is it even worth it to like ponder if these people are compared? capable of complexities or is that wasted energy that could be put towards the self and like accepting and loving and caretaking for yourself is it wasteful to like hope that they would be you know five percent different than what you know them to be i don't know yeah i think kind of all over the place i think just like building off of that like a couple of recommendations or things to think about is that these people are complex, right? Because yeah. we, are, as people, are all always complex. Um, we all come into every experience with a rich, rich history of experiences, identities, ideas. All of us, even the folks that we may be distilling down to their most like vapid or politically polarized idea. Yeah. Right. So they are complex. They chat is complex. You may it may not seem Ugh. that way because of the fact <laughs> yeah. that he holds those repugnant <gasps> political ideas. And he's complex. Like, he is. He And he is capable of thinking about things in different ways, right? That is absolutely true. And I also want to create space for the fact that Chad and your mom are not sort of the, the platonic ideals of the people in your family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right? Like, each of them is unique. Each of them has their own experiences, their own views, their own identities that are leading them to particular places. And so, yes, your mom is responding really poorly to you. Yes, Chad has repugnant political views. Yes, probably a lot of your family has political views that are deeply problematic. And they're all experiencing the world differently and in different bodies with different sets of identities and experiences. Yeah. So, So assuming that they're all exactly like your mom or even assuming that they're all exactly like this idea of Chad that you have in your head isn't fair to them. Right. And I mean that in like a way, like, I don't, I don't know that you owe anyone fairness in this moment. Right. Like, so I'm not trying to like like preach this to you, but I'm thinking about like future self, right. As you're in a place where you're, where you're trying maybe to figure out how to be in relationship with these folks. Um, That's just something to remember, right. That they're not, they are not the sum of your mom's bad political and religious beliefs, right? Like they are not all that. Um, and that there's capacity for you to investigate, get curious with folks, and then decide on an individual basis which of those people can be in your life and which of those people can't be, right? And that's perfect. some people yeah. may surprise you, right? Maybe there's yes. a cousin out there who's and like- maybe they won't. I'm yes. gay too, right? Or like <laughs> the gay whisper. Gay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, cool. Then you know something different. But the only way you're going to know that is if you get curious. But again, yes. I don't know that it's, that people deserve yeah, curiosity. Yeah, like, is curiosity safe? Yes, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. And of course, I hope our patrons hear all. Like, that was beautifully said, Sam. Thank you for taking my like mental ramblings and making it cohesive. Um, uh-huh. And also, like, I trust our listener. Again, we trust you, and you should trust yourself to be able to navigate and feel the ebb and flow of like, is this curiosity 
safe? Is my compassion worth it? Are they in the vulnerability arena with me? Are they, Mm -hmm. you know, are they, how about this? Are they treating me with the bare minimum respect that I deserve as a human? You know, that's like the, that's like the baseline starting line. And, and just again, to our letter writer, like, we know this is hard, but this is the, this is a, this is the type of emotional labor that like ages you, you know, um, especially with family members, you know, so we're thinking about you and, and we know that this is like, as we've said, it's a complex, like ongoing thing. You have every right, as you've heard us say before, to not go to that wedding, to cut off ties from these relationships that are unsafe or don't see you as a whole human, right. Who don't meet you in that arena. Um, and we know that's hard. Mm. We know that's mm. hard. And also, like, sorry about that breakup, but also, like, bonus points for coming to the breakup in what sounds like an amicable and mature way. So, like, for sure. A plus from Absolutely. the just breakup test. Absolutely. Um, and just, just as a reminder for you, you are coming out to your parents. You are moving to a different city. You oh are God, yes. starting grad Excellent school. Point. You are dealing with a breakup. You are watching your cousin get married to a man who you don't like. Like these, yeah. all, like uh, those are just five of the things that you wrote about oh in God, your yes, letter. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> right? So like, yes. So you're going through it, right? Like you've got a yeah. lot on your plate in this moment. So don't feel like you need to add to it something about how you need to be better or more enlightened or whatever it is that you're telling yourself you need to be doing in this moment, right? Like. There's enough here for you to be concentrating and thinking about and working on without needing to sort of beat yourself up about any other particular element of this letter. So just a reminder of like, it's a lot. It's a lot that you're going through. So of course you're struggling. Of course you're feeling all of these different feelings. Like who wouldn't in that situation, right? It's challenging. Absolutely. So just remember that and hold on to that. And and remember that Sam told you like, that's a lot. You got a lot going on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then Sierra like mispronounced something. Yeah. <laughs> but was like, we love you. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, but on that note, we love you. And we hope that you feel a little bit a lighter after hearing this. We know this is a heavy load. Thank you so Absolutely. much for writing and for supporting us on Patreon. Absolutely. We love you. All right, pals, um, remember uh, that the end of this month on Sunday, July 31st at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, we are doing our second Patreon live. We're doing it on Zoom. So if you want to hang out with us March 2020 style, ask us questions either in video or chat. Um, You can be as anonymous as you want. You don't have to. It's not going to be like forced participation. Um, But you can hang out with us on Zoom um, on July 31st. If you subscribe at the $10 level for even just one month, you'd get access or you could choose to support us monthly, annually, at whatever level you can. As always, thank you so much for supporting us. This makes everything possible, and we love you so much. And remember, other people don't get to decide or legitimize who you are, what your authentic self is, and don't worry about appeasing them as you are working through that. Just make sure that you are taking care of yourself first before you show up for another. And if all else fails... Just break up. <laughs>